Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad to the time to join us for this message. You're listening to the first in a brand new series called Jesus Is. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Can just see so you guys are aware. A couple things about our church. We're a church that gets loud. And uh, we're also a church that believes in the Bible. And so I just want to read a passage of scripture to get us started. I know this may sound crazy, this may sound weird, but I actually believe that God inspired these words. I know it's crazy. Hebrews chapter one, it says this in verse one, it says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things, someone shout all things, by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, I pray in this place, I pray in this space that you speak to us today. Speak to our hearts. We love you, Jesus. Everyone shouted, amen, amen. Can we clap our hands for the worship team? So good. You guys can take a seat. So happy that you guys could be here. Uh, I think you guys picked a fantastic day uh, to be in church this morning because we are beginning a brand new series, and uh, I'll explain it a little bit more, um, but before I get into the series, I want to play a little video, and in this video, people are just asking, uh, or I should say answering a question, and the question that people are answering is, who is Jesus? Can I show this video real quick? historical figure? I don't know. (laughs) I think he was just a person. I don't know. Just a normal person like us. He was a selfless person. I have no clue. He was a man. I think he was marketing genius because he got people to believe him. I don't I don't think he's the son of God. I don't believe that at all. If David Copperfield was in the day of Jesus, he would be Jesus. I'm pretty sure he existed like I'm not gonna say that he didn't exist he was God's son but so was Gandhi and so was Muhammad and so was you know we're all God's children Jesus is someone I pray to well Jesus is my Lord and Savior um, and he to me is the like symbol of just ultimate forgiveness and ultimate love he's sort of that like constant figure in my life jesus is also isa in arabic and he was a messenger as well he was just extremely enlightened like religiously and morally was somebody that um, just tried to um, impart wisdom on others and um, make the world a better place i think he saw something that a lot of people didn't see and still don't see in others and I, i think that's just a lot of love and and hope. Jesus sort of seemed like an ominous uh, figure. You know, he just, he he was God and it was hard to relate to him. But I think as I've grown in my faith a lot, I've really started to see Jesus as my closest friend. The reason that uh, I wanted to show you guys that video is because I think that video kind of gives us a snapshot uh, on what people think about Jesus. The question again is who is 
Jesus. And as we saw from that video, there's many different perceptions, many different answers, many different ways in which people think and see who Jesus is. If I were to ask this room, who is Jesus, I think we would get a whole bunch of different answers. But one thing I believe to be true is how we answer this question, who is Jesus, will form your life entirely. How you answer this question literally will affect everything in your entire lives. And that's why I'm super excited for these four weeks because we are diving into a brand new series here at church called Jesus is blank. Jesus is blank. And so what I want to do over the next four weeks is I want to begin to answer the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And so every single week, what we're going to do is we are going to fill in the blank with a different characteristic, a different attribute. And my hope and my prayer is by the end of this series, we will be able to answer this question fully and wholly. Who exactly was and is Jesus? Now, um, I'm going to take us back about a year, October 2019, uh, literally a year. And I know in COVID times, that's kind of like three years back. Uh, so we're going way back, October 2019. Um, but there was this guy, you may have heard of him, his name's Kanye West. And uh, Kanye West dropped um, a gospel album called Jesus is King. Any, any Kanye fans in the room this morning? <laughs> Old Kanye. Okay, we got an atheist in the first row. Um, so Kanye West uh, dropped an album, Jesus is King. Now, uh, like we just referenced in the, in the front, I want the old Kanye. Uh, this last album was a big shift for Kanye because in this last album, it was a full gospel album. And among other things, Kanye West was professing his belief that Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Now, for a lot of people, especially Christians, they like to ask questions like, well, is Kanye really a Christian? Did did the album really lead people to Jesus? Now, if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. uh, One thing that you'll know really quickly is that a lot of times Christians ask uh, dumb questions. And uh, a lot of times Christians ask the wrong questions. Um, Now, I don't exactly know, I can't profess to tell you exactly what Kanye West's album did uh, to other people's spiritual lives, if it led them to Jesus. I have no idea. But one thing that I do know is that Kanye West's album led people to Google. (laughs) Right around the time that Kanye dropped his album, Jesus is King, Google released their analytics to the world. And what they let us know is in that week that Kanye released his album in their search engine, the search for who is Jesus skyrocketed. The the search for what do Christians believe skyrocketed. All because Kanye West dropped this album. Now this tells me two things very uh, importantly and I think very interestingly. Now number one, what it tells me is that at least generally speaking, people have somewhat of an interest in who Jesus is. But more so, and I think even more importantly, what it shows me is that a lot of people don't actually know who Jesus is. They don't know who he is. They don't know what he's done. Now, this is really important because a lot of times when it comes to Christians, I think this becomes a stumbling block. Because for a lot of people that come to church week in and week out, we live with this belief that's like, you know what? I think generally speaking, everyone knows about Jesus. 
I think they know what he did. I think they know who he was. So I don't really have to do much, or I probably shouldn't say much because they probably already know. But I think what Google is trying to tell us, and even more so, the American Bible Society, they released uh, their analytics for 2019, and in their survey it said 61% of people want to know more about who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. So what this tells me is that there's a blank and there's a gap that, that I want over these next four weeks to fill so we can fully understand who Jesus is. And so this means two things. Number one, if you're new to church, this is the best series to start in because we're talking all about Jesus. And number two, if you've been in church for a long time, you know what this means? This means that this is the series to invite someone to church. Church Online family, I love you. I haven't even said hello yet. Hello. This is the series to share the link. Everyone in this room is like, I'm too scared to invite someone. Share a link. It's so easy. Share a link, save a life, come on, somebody. I just believe that when we understand who Jesus is, when we can actually understand who he is, his character, I believe it has the ability and the power to change everything. And so each and every week, we're going to fill in this blank with one large uh, concept, one large idea. And so where I want to start this morning, and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to teach for a bit, and then I'm going to preach. If you guys are like, what's the difference between teaching and preaching, you'll notice it in the dictations in my voice. I promise you, I'm going to teach and then I'm going to preach a little bit. So this morning, I want to fill in the gap with a really important thing that we need to know about Jesus. I believe it's first and utmost. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Now let me break this down. Let me tell you why this is important. You see, for so many people, when it comes to, to Christianity, when it comes to the Bible, following God, they have one basic assumption. And the assumption is this, that Christianity is a moral religion. Now, what a moral religion is, it's basically just a set of beliefs, a set of laws, rules, whatever you want to call it. It's a set of beliefs that tell you how to live. Christianity is a moral religion, and where Jesus falls into this moral religion is that Jesus was the great teacher of this moral religion that we now know as Christianity. It's all about rules, how do I live, how do I treat people, and Jesus was the great teacher. And for a lot of people, it's like, well, Christianity is kind of like all the other religions, right? telling us how to live, telling us how to treat people. That must be what it is. But I'm here to tell you this morning that although Jesus did teach some things, Jesus was not primarily a teacher. And what I want you to see above all is that Christianity is not actually a moral religion. Does Christianity tell us how to live and tell us some things? Yeah. But there's so much more than that. What I want us to understand is that Jesus is God. And Jesus did not come to start a moral religion. Although Jesus taught, Jesus did not even come to tell us how, how to live, how to treat people. Jesus had something so much more important than any of those things. Because Jesus is God. And so what I want to do is I want to break this down. And how we're going to do it, we're going to study a passage of scripture uh, found in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. 
And so before I read the verse, um, I want to give us a little backdrop on it and why I chose um, the book of Hebrews. Now, the book of Hebrews is found in the New Testament. If you're new to the Bible, uh, I'm going to explain the Bible a lot so it'll make sense. Um, But it's in the New Testament, which means it's after the time of Jesus. And so uh, this book, specifically Hebrews, we don't know the exact author. There's some uh, theories that it was Paul uh, or someone else, but we don't know exactly who wrote it. But what we do know is it has always been in the Christian New Testament for at least 2,000 years. It's always been a part of canon. Now, I want to read this passage of scripture because Hebrews was written to two people. Number one, it was written to Jewish people and Jewish Christians, and it was written to them to show them that Jesus is actually God. Because for, for a Jewish person, they had this belief system And one of their primary and utmost beliefs is that God is one. There is one God. And so when this idea of Jesus comes on the scene, it's like, wait a second, are you saying there's God in Jesus? That would make make that there's multiple gods. The book of Hebrews is saying, no, 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 no. Jesus is God. God is one. We're agreeing, but we're just showing you how that actually is. That's number one. Number two, it was written to Greek people. And Greek people had this secular mindset. And the reason I want to talk about the secular mindset is because a Greek person 2,000 years ago is actually pretty similar to like a, a Canadian today. It's the person that lives in the material world. Where it's like, you know what, all I see, everything that's around me, that is truth. That is present reality. That's all I can believe in. What the book of Hebrews is trying to show is that, yes, present reality is true. Yes, all you see is true. But Jesus is the ultimate reality. And he is over and he is through all things. And so that's why I want to read this, book, this passage of scripture from Hebrews. Because it's going to tell us something very important about Jesus. And it's going to explain what it really means when I say Jesus is God. I know I said a lot. Is everyone following? Is everyone following? Some people. Okay, good. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1, it says this. It says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Now, I told you I'll explain the Bible, so I'll explain it to you very simply. For a lot of people, it's like, man, the Bible is so big, it's so confusing, I don't know where to start. I break it down super simple. I say there's two Testaments, Old Testament, New Testament. The Old Testament is before the time of Jesus. Everyone following? There's a bunch of different books, 66 different books, but all together that makes the Bible. And so here in Hebrews, he's referring to the Old Testament before Jesus. And so what he's saying, he's saying in the past, God spoke through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And so when I describe the Bible to people, I say the best way to kind of think of it is to almost think of the Bible kind of like God's biography. Anyone ever read a biography before? I remember when I was in high school, one of the only books that I read fully um, was a Russell Peters uh, memoir. Anyone know Russell Peters? He was Indian, like me, and uh, he was a comedian, so I thought I should read his memoir. Uh, Some of you guys are like, what do you mean only book? What about Shakespeare? What about Lord of the Flies? Uh, Can I just get a quick thank you, Jesus, for spark notes? Anyone anyone in the room use spark notes? Let's clap our hands for that. I shouldn't be encouraging that. Um, But basically the book, Russell Peters, when you read it, his memoir, his biography, it just tells you about his life, who he is. It's an autobiography, meaning he wrote it. Now, the Bible is kind of like God's biography, but it's not an autobiography because God did not write it. It was written by many different people in many different places, but all together it shows us the character of God. 
Now, specifically the Old Testament, what this is saying had all these different genres. It had uh, poetry, it had narratives, it had wisdom literature, but all of these things work together to show who God is. If you guys were with us, we did a series in Genesis. And what we did in that series, we read all these stories, all these narratives, and we tried to pull out who God was, where God is. But a lot of what happens in the Old Testament is you are searching for God through the stories. You're searching through God through themes, through metaphors. Is everyone following? That's the Old Testament. But there's been a shift, and that's what he's saying. He's saying in the past, God spoke it many times in various ways. He says, but in these last days, verse 2, he has spoken to us by his son. He said, that's how God used to speak. It was in stories. You kind of had to, had to figure things out yourself. You had to learn. It was in laws. All these things. He says, but now he has spoken to us by his son. He's referring to Jesus. Now, I need us to understand something very important. He says, he, we have now, he has now spoken to us by his son. He doesn't say through his son. I'll tell you why this is important. You see, in verse 1, it says that in the past, God spoke uh, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Next verse, if you have it there, uh, Asia. He says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So in the past, he spoke through people. You guys understanding? It says, but now he has spoken by his son. He doesn't say through his son. This is very important. You're like, why is this important? Why do I feel like I'm in English class right now? This is really important because what he's saying, he's saying Jesus is different than how things were before. God spoke through, but now he spoke by. This is really important when it comes to this idea that Jesus is a teacher. Right? Oh, oh God, Because a lot of people think God just sent Jesus to teach me some things. That must be why Jesus came. He's saying, no, 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 no. Jesus did not come to bring you a message. Jesus is the message. He spoke to us by his son. This is really important because I want to dispel this notion that Jesus is just teacher. That's what we see in the video, right? It's like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. He was a great teacher. You guys ever heard that people, it's like, I love what Jesus teaches uh, I don't believe in God or anything, but I love the teachings of Jesus. And so a lot of people say, yeah, well, Jesus is a teacher, but, but the world is filled with many great teachers. Buddha was a great teacher. Charles Darwin was a great teacher. Maybe some of you guys like Harrison's a pretty good teacher. <laughs> There's been teachers forever. The world is filled with teachers that have messages, but Jesus is something entirely different. Jesus is the message. Listen, in the Old Testament, what I said is that a lot of times God spoke through things, but the main idea was that there was this idea of distance between us and God. There, there was distance. There was a chasm. In other words, there was a barrier that we could not cross. He was far. But what happens with Jesus, because Jesus is God, Jesus has now come into our humanity. He's now come to be with us in communion with us. Well, one of my favorite verses in John chapter 1, another New Testament book, it says, Jesus became, God became flesh and he dwelt among us. It says the God of the universe came and became a human in the form of Jesus and he dwelt upon us. Listen, Jesus is the message. 
Jesus is the message. Now, the question is, if God wants to send a message, why is he sending a message? You see, I think the only reason that God would send a message is if he wants people to learn something about him. So I want us to see something, because for some people, maybe you're still confused. It's like, I'm not getting it. Are God and Jesus different? Verse 3, Hebrews 1 says this. It says, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Now, there's a wordplay going on here. So it says the sun is the radiance of God. And so the literal wordplay, he's basically saying God is like the literal sun that we see outside. Not today because it's cold. He's saying God is like the sun. And if God is like the sun, what he's saying is that Jesus is the radiance. Jesus is the light beams that come from the sun. Now, I'm about to get real technical, but if you guys don't know this, the sun and the radiance that comes from the sun are not different. The fact of the matter is we don't actually see the sun. We just see the radiance of the sun. Is everyone following? And so what he's saying, he's saying, God, we haven't seen God. We've seen Jesus, who is the radiance of God, but it's actually the same thing. You're like, why is this so confusing? It's really not. The fact of the matter is that Jesus is God. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because we're answering this question, who is Jesus? And we're going to go into different characteristics as this series goes on. But I want us to understand, and I don't want anyone to be confused. The main thing we need to know about Jesus is that he is God. He's God. The Bible doesn't make it a mystery. You see, some people have this idea that they're different, right? Like, they're they're two different people. Um, I I love what he says... uh, He says, an exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Uh, The idea of the exact representation is like a stamp. It's literally a stamp. He's saying Jesus is the stamp of God. It's it's the same thing. This is important because a lot of people have this idea where it's like, man, I think God is angry, but Jesus is chill. Like, I just love the son because he's so chill. Like, he just loves and he's just throwing, I just love the son because the father's kind of scary. But what the Bible is saying, no, 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 no. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. It means there's no difference. They're they're one and the same. I'll break this down even simpler. The whole idea, the whole word where we use Jesus, Father, Son, that's for us to try to understand it in our own terms. But the reality is that they are one. They are the same. So here's what I'm trying to say. Jesus is the message, but Jesus is also the picture of God. He's the picture of God. Now, if I could explain it, because we're talking about the Old Testament, the New Testament, Jesus comes in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, we're kind of searching for Jesus. If I could describe it, I would say it like this. I would say the Old Testament is kind of like the trailer, and the New Testament is the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, the trailer is there to give us a sneak peek, but the movie is the actual thing. The Old Testament points us towards something, but Jesus is the movie. Jesus is the picture of God. He's the picture. One of the disciples asked Jesus when he was on earth, because even the disciples didn't fully get it. He's like, Jesus, bro, I love you, but like, if you could just do one thing, just show us the Father, then we'll be good. I just want to, I need to see God. But what Jesus says back to Philip, he says, guess what? He says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Because we're, we're one and the same. We're one and the same. I, I'm just, I, I know I'm kind of overemphasizing it, but I don't want anyone to miss it. 
because I think as a culture and as a society, we want to disconnect Jesus from divinity. Where it's a guy, he's just a good dude. Because no one, no one denies that Jesus existed. He's a historical figure. But for a lot of people, it's like, ah, I think he was just a regular dude. The Bible does not give us that option. Jesus is God. Now the question again, like I asked, is why did God feel like he had to come down in this form? You see, I feel like the only reason God would have to come down is if there was a picture being painted that was contrary to who God actually was. And so he needed to correct something. So I want to explain something. Because the Old Testament, if you've read it, it can be kind of confusing. I met with a friend a few weeks ago. He's going through the Bible. And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I've been reading uh, the first couple books of the Bible. And he's like, I think I get it. Like, I think I understand what it means to follow God. He's like, correct me if I'm wrong. He's like, so basically we have all of these rules and we have all these regulations and I follow these rules to the best of my ability and I basically become like version 2.0. Like I become Harrison 2.0, the best version of myself. He's like, that's kind of what the Bible's about, right? And I said, kind of, but nah. You see what happened And I think one of the reasons that God came down to correct some things is because what happened was this dichotomy began to present itself. Because the Bible does have regulations and rules and things that can tell us how to live. But what happened was that all of these people, and maybe you guys have experienced this before, is that there was a whole bunch of people that had realized that they could actually follow all of these rules but have no relationship with God. They could act the right way, say all the right things, but not actually love God. But they were confused because it was like, I'm following all the rules. I'm version 2.0. What did I do wrong? And so God says, I got to do something about this. And so what he does is he sends his son, who is him. He comes down in the form of Jesus. And Jesus came to make sure that there was no misunderstandings. Jesus is the radiance of God. He's the exact representation, meaning that when Jesus came down, everything he did was not contrary to God. It was who God is and has always been. Anyone ready to find out why Jesus came? Let's get there. I told you I had to teach. I'm almost ready to preach. Now, when Jesus came to clear some things up, he does so in a very weird way at least at the start, so I need us to follow along because you're going to be confused for a second. Jesus, in the book of Matthew, which is also in the New Testament, um, it records a sermon that he preached, and it's one of the most famous sermons ever. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, and I want to read some things that Jesus said because I know everyone's like, I love the teachings of Jesus. I just follow Jesus. Let's find out. (laughs) Matthew chapter 5, Verse 21 says this, and what Jesus is doing here is he's basically expounding, he's expanding uh, on things of old. So he says this, verse 21, he says, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in dangers of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in the dangers of the fires of hell. <laughs> Quick question. Anyone in this room in the danger of the fires of hell? Anyone in this room ever called someone an idiot? Anyone in this room called someone an idiot this morning? <laughs> but it's like, I thought Jesus, like, through, like, I thought he was so chill. I thought he just said love. 
Let's keep going. Jesus says this, same sermon. He says, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust, oh my gosh, has already committed adultery with her in her heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. Now we have an amazing setup team here at church. But I'm going to be honest. I think if all the guys in this room were honest, our setup team would have a whole lot of eyes to clean up off the floor this morning. Ladies sitting there like, yeah, men are the worst. <laughs> Listen for a sec, ladies. I know something that you guys know. Uh, the Bachelorette started last week. And so uh, I know this applies both ways. Can I get a come on? Somebody. <laughs> And so what he's saying, he says, even if you look at someone, even if you have that thought, he's like, you've actually done the same thing as cheating on someone. So just throw that eye out. You guys heard this next one, but I want to really go into it. Verse 43, he says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, as Christians, it's a really cute thing to say, right? I love my neighbors. (laughs) We love our neighbors. That's, what, that's the Christian thing to do. Uh, can, can I be honest? Um, and I know you guys have that person at work, the one that really ticks you off. That boss, you guys know the one? It's like, why is she such a blank? <laughs> Jesus says, love your enemies and actually to pray for them. Now, I know the Christian thing is say, I love my enemies. Can, can I be honest? Because I know that political figure you've been posting about that you hate so much. When was the last time you prayed for him? Because that's what, that's what Jesus says, right? I love, the, I, love, I love the sayings of Jesus. I love the teach. Do you? One more thing in the Lord's Prayer, and you'll know this one. Uh, this kind of seems tame, but I'll show you why it's not. He says, uh, when you pray, he says, pray to God, uh, God, forgive us of our sins. In other words, God calls us to confess. And I was like, yeah, that, that kind of seems easy. But what I've noticed is that we actually live in a culture that doesn't say confess your sins. We live in a culture that says, I need to confess others' sins. We live in a culture that says, uh, on Amazon Prime Day, I need to put Jeff Bezos on flame because he's greedy. The Bible says, I don't really care if he's greedy. I know that you're greedy. The Bible doesn't say confess other people's sins. It says confess your sins. Confess your sins. It's like, Harrison, I'm not really understanding what Jesus is saying. This, this doesn't seem like Jesus. I feel like Jesus is almost saying that you need to be, Matthew 5, verse 48, he says, Jesus says, you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, for a lot of us, this is going to fall in line with what we already thought Christianity was about. It's like, yeah, that's why I don't like Christians, because they all try to be perfect, They all try to follow all these rules, but the reality is I know they're not perfect. I know they're bad people. Jesus says, be perfect. Be be perfect. And as we read these words of Jesus, there's, there's sort of this thing that should be going on in our head when it's like, Harrison, you told us that Christianity isn't a moral religion, but why is Jesus telling us to do all of these things? Why? Jesus, before he preaches his sermon, he prefaces this whole thing with something very, very important. 
And if we miss this, we actually misunderstand Christianity. He says in Matthew 5, verse 17, he says, don't misunderstand why I have come. Remember? He's the message. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law. I didn't come to get rid of the rules. Well, what'd you come for then, Jesus? He says, I came to accomplish their purpose. What does this mean? You see, what we know and what we see is that God, Jesus is the picture of God. And so Jesus, by these rules and these regulations, and you need to understand everything that Jesus is saying is intrinsically good. We should love our neighbors. We should pray for people that persecute us. We should do all of these things. But what he's saying, he said, I have come to accomplish their purpose. Because here's the reality. Jesus says be perfect, but there is a problem with perfection. Do you want to know what the problem with perfection is? It's try as I might, I will never be perfect. Try as I might, I still fall short. I try to love people. I try not to look at people that way, but I always mess up. But here is the beauty, and here is what Jesus is trying to say. He says in Hebrews 1, he says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. What does that mean? Because Jesus is the message, because God is perfect, he is showing us that in order to come into communion with God, you also must be perfect. But there's a problem. You can't. You can't do it yourself. You'll never be good enough. Has anyone in this room tried to be good enough? Has anyone in this room tried to be perfect? Has anyone in this room tried to live for other people? I hope they approve me. I hope they accept me. I hope they love me. The issue is that try as we might, we still fall short. But God. Come on, somebody. But God. But God said this. He said, you know what? He said, there's an issue. People are trying to, but they can't. And, and, and what Jesus is doing here, he's really making a point. And the point is for all those people that thought they could keep all the rules. What he's saying is that they can't. And Amy, I need you on keys because I'm about to go here off now. He's saying, try as you might. You can't keep all of these rules. So you need someone that can. That's where Jesus comes in. But this is the beauty. God didn't say, you know what? I'm going to send someone. God didn't say, I'm going to send my best man. He said, no, no, no. I'm coming myself. I'm going to take care of this. God became flesh and he dwelt among us. And what he came to do was to show us that although you are not perfect, you don't have to be perfect because I'm perfect. So what happened was that Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and the Bible tells us that he died a sinner's death. And the reason he died is because what Jesus did is Jesus took what you and I deserve, which is death, which is shame, which is nakedness, which is rejection. Jesus said, take it, I'm gonna take it, put it on me. And in 1 Peter chapter three, It says, Christ suffered once for sins. The righteous, he's the righteous, he's the good one for the unrighteous. That's me. I'm the not good enough. He says that he did that, that he might bring to us God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. 
the message of Jesus is that because he is here, because he's not a messenger, he's a message, that means he's here to do something. He didn't come to teach, he came to live and to die for you and for me. And the beauty of this story is it doesn't end with his death. Because although Jesus, he, he, was, he was hung for us, he was hung for us since he died in rejection, but he rose again in power. That's what the Bible says. He rose again in power, made alive by the Spirit. And so what that means is that for each and every one of us in this room, the Bible says you have access to that power. It says that whoever believes in Jesus, whoever accepts that free gift of salvation, Jesus is offering it every single day. In Hebrews, it says after he had provided purification for sins, it says he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is symbolic because the reason that Jesus sat down was because he was finished. The work was finished. And so I came here to tell someone this morning, someone watching online, guess what? Everything you think you need has already been accomplished. It's not in a place. It's not in a thing. It's not in a relationship. It's in Jesus. Jesus has what you need. And so here's what I want us to understand. Jesus, as Kanye West said, is king. He's not king of Canada. He's not king of America. He's king of the world. He's king of the universe. He's king of the eons. Everything is Jesus. Jesus is our savior. When I know that Jesus is God, that means I know that Jesus is my savior. That means that I can rest like Jesus rested. Listen, if you don't know where you stand, it's like, I'm not sure where I stand with God. I'm not sure if I'm good enough. Guess what? Put your trust in Jesus. And it's finished. It's done. You're a son. You're a daughter of the King. Jesus is King. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is God. That's who He is. C.S. Lewis says this better than I ever could. When speaking about Jesus, he says, I'm here to try to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. Well, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher but I don't accept his claim to be God. C.S. Lewis says, this is one thing that we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg or he'll be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else he was a madman or something worse. You can shut him up from a, as a fool. You can spit on him. You can kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. There needs to be no confusion about who Jesus is. Jesus is God. Jesus is Savior. Come on, somebody, let's clap our hands. If you guys could all just stand for a moment. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Every person in this room is praying right now. We're praying for our online community. If there's someone in this room this morning it's like, man, Harrison, I've been, I've been living my life, but I haven't really been living. And maybe Jesus is the thing that I've been missing. Or maybe you had a picture, maybe you had a perception of who you thought Jesus is. 
But today, this morning, you realize, man, Jesus is Savior. I want him to be my Savior. If you want to make that decision this morning, if you say, I want to follow Jesus, I'm going to count to three. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. And I'm just going to say, raise your hand. And when you raise your hand, what you're saying is, I want to follow Jesus. I want to accept Jesus. I want him in my life. I'm going to count to three. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. One, two, three. Just show me your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just pray this prayer together. Everyone say, dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. I give you my everything. I give you my wins. And I give you my sins. God, today, make me a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, can we clap our hands for every single person that made that decision? Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca and fill out a connect card. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time.